I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahairmd.com. Well, yabba-dabba-doo. DJ and PK, it's time to bring in Real Salt Lake's interim head coach, Pablo Mastroni. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Pablo, good morning. Morning, DJ. PK is here for a little Thunderbird High reminiscing. You guys are taking over the world. (laughs) And you have Demir to thank for it because he has extended the season. Have you gotten over that? When does the adrenaline high end? I don't know. I'm still, still, yeah, recovering from the lack of sleep from a couple (laughs) nights ago. It's been a a fun uh, moment to kind of replay and check out all the different angles. And, um, yeah. Crazy times. So as I watch your team the last month, Pablo, it reminds me of being on the first tee at Cave Creek Golf Course. As I stand over (laughs) that ball, I don't know what's going to happen today. I know there's a chance that I could shoot maybe 78, 79, but I also know that there's a chance that I could shoot 92. And it's really frustrating because at the same time, I know it's within me, but I don't have the consistency. And I sort of relate that to your team. This has been a lot of... uh, Exciting times, but some times that were disappointing, too. How do you find that consistency? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think it's a part of the process that we've been on, you know, taking over a team midseason, trying to change um, the mentality of the group and the way we want to go about doing things. And then we changed the formation um, because we didn't have certain players in certain positions and trying to get the most out of the players that we, that we had available. And so there's a lot of variables at play. Um, and, you know, it's a lot easier when you have a six-week preseason and you know exactly what you're going to do and you're the same guy throughout the whole year. Um, but the one thing that is consistent, uh, DJ, is that you know you're going to finish the game the right way, um, and that's what I'm most proud of. Um, however we started, whatever the scoreline is, you know with 10 minutes left, 15 minutes left, and this has been the common theme of this group, is that they're not going to give up and they still believe. Um, and I think it's that mentality 
and that consistency that actually saw us through to the playoffs. So you took the team from the uh, the four two three one into a three five two, and it led to wide open soccer. There were a lot of goals. Sometimes you gave up a lot of goals. Sometimes you scored a lot of goals. But man, it was up and down. It was exciting. What is the reaction when you go into the final game and you tell the guys, "Hey, we're switch. We're switching back. We're, we're going to play four and back again." What well, What was the reaction from the players? Well, you know, I think it was interesting. I think the guys up front um, kind of. We're, we're kind of shocked because I think, again, we're creating a lot of great opportunities and, um, and, and they really enjoyed that part. The guys in the back, I think, had a different perspective, which is, you know, we've conceded seven goals in the last, in, in the last two games. And right. And so I think for me, my job is to strike a balance and, and make sure that, uh, I do what I think is best for the group. And given that we were so open, as, as, as you rightly mentioned, um, how do we, how do we kind of tame it back a little bit? Yet allowing certain players like Albert to find pockets to get on the ball and and Demir to do his thing and um, and I think the, the the interesting thing was I think it was our most professional our most disciplined uh, performance um, that we've had and going back to a four and so the ability to go from a three to a four that quickly um, after not have done it just, again speaks to volumes of the amount of focus and concentration that these guys had going into the last the last game of the season. So you start November 23rd against Seattle. What are you going to do in the meantime with the team? Well, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a balance, right? I think you, if you start tactics too early, then uh, you lose it. So what, what, what I want to do is, you know, on, on Friday, just show a little bit of Seattle and maybe talk about the buildup and how they like to press and how we could build out from the back. And then um, on Tuesday, maybe talk about the, the, the way that uh, we want to press from the top and, and, and how they and how they want to build out. And so just slowly start dropping um, the tactical pieces that will be important so it's not all done in like a two-day span. And in the meantime, making sure that they're enjoying, the, 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 you know, coming out to training every day, which is a lot of small-sided stuff, um, a lot of competition stuff, um, because I think that's been the important part. We've been competing um, in training, and I think that uh, that's kind of carried over to the games, and that's an important aspect as well. Pablo Mastroeni joining us for Al Salt Lake's uh, interim manager. Of course, you're the interim manager because Freddie left for Seattle midseason, and now you draw Seattle. And when I heard that, when we realized how everything was breaking there the last day of the season on Decision Day, I thought of you, and I can't remember what game it was, but there was a goal, and you... The camera was on you, and you're doing. The, they got a you know. There's the mic'd up segment on the broadcast, and so we see you lean your head back, look up at the sky, and scream, "The universe!" <laughs> and I thought the universe has brought Freddie together with RSL. What? How much does that matter to the guys? Because obviously there were some guys. I think Rubio Rubin was the most outspoken, but there were some guys. Man, that that was a that was a shot upside the head when they heard the news he was leaving for. An assistance job in Seattle midseason. Yeah, I think it's. Listen, I think it's, it was it was a tough situation for everyone, um, and, uh, including Freddie. Yeah, it wasn't an easy an easy decision for him as well. Um, myself, I mean, it affected everyone, right? And uh, but but I think um, that that's the beauty of sport, and that's and that's how it works. And sometimes coaches get let go, sometimes they leave on their own. Um, but the onus is on those left behind to really pull together and, and, and make it happen. And, um, and so my challenge to the group was, you know, we can sit here and sulk and, and feel sorry for ourselves, but we all have to crack on because we all have lives to live. Um, and I think they all took that in stride. And, and again, I think 
changing the formation to a three quickly kind of allowed us to separate from what we were doing um, in that time span. But it is it is crazy that 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 we're, we're you know we're in Seattle and Freddie was Freddie sent a text over to the staff after after our game um, that was nice and and so it'll be it'll be a great a great game um, and obviously with with that side story in mind I think uh, you know it'll it'll make it that much more uh, interesting as as we embark on the the quest to beat Seattle in Seattle. I'm wondering if it's had actually a unifying effect when you combine. What what happened there, and then also with the flux of the ownership situation, maybe us against the world type of mentality. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I think one of the one of the things that has been, you know, tough tough on the guys is not knowing what's going to happen next year. Um, and and you know, just kind of reiterating, we're all in the same boat, myself included. Right. Um, you know, so I think that is yeah, PK. I think that is a unifying moment. Um, and and pulling together and and trying to empathize with these guys because they want to make plans for their futures as well and um, but it's it is it, it galvanized the group and uh, I think that's a big part of, of of the mentality is that we have to do this in here in this locker room because we don't know that anyone else's situation but we know ours and we know what we want to achieve and we know that we're all in the same boat so let's do it together. Is it too obvious and you don't have to point it out, or do you want to reiterate it because there are so many guys who can't help but think about, you know, where am I going to be living in January and February? It's not that far away. Uh, that everybody loves a winner and that getting into the playoffs increases all their value and advancing in the playoffs increases all of their value, not only to this club, but potentially to other clubs around the league as well. DJ, that's, that's what I've said from the beginning. I said that's the one, that's the one way to guarantee that you have a, a, a good situation for yourself next year um, is to win. Um, everyone loves winners, and everyone wants a little bit of that magic that's happening in that locker room um, with them. And so that's been a rallying cry from the beginning, especially when um, you know I took over. Um, and, and again, I knew less about people's contractual situations than Freddie did. So um, that was definitely a rallying cry and something that uh, that's really motivated this group for sure. So when you were playing high school soccer for Thunderbird, did you ever play that perennial power Cactus High School? You know, PK, at that time, Cactus, yeah, yeah, we did. We did play Cactus, but I don't know that they, uh, maybe they were actually, yeah. Probably my freshman and sophomore year, they were were powerhouses. Yeah, you're right. That's the reason why I bring that up. Their coach, a man named Jack Aldersitz, was the best man at my wedding. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a small world. Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, I, uh, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Uh, small world. Wow. He was married to my sister, and he was, wow. he was my mentor. He was, he's 10 years older than me, a little bit more, but he was the one guy who got me on the path to where I am today. Without him, I'm not even anywhere close to where I am right now. He was, he was my guy. And he died uh, at 58, way, way, way too young. But he started, basically, is viewed as the godfather of high school soccer in Arizona. In Arizona, yeah, because yeah. he got it as a sanctioned sport. I remember being at Cactus at the first game, and uh, it was wow. a, it was a just a memorable experience because he played soccer back in New Jersey at Glassboro State, which is now Rowan. It's a sore subject. Uh, some guy donated a bunch of money, and they changed the name, and so. 
he came out west as as our family did, and he started soccer uh, in high school for Arizona. Okay. So he's kind of a, kind of a uh, uh, a forefather for what you were able to accomplish just uh, just a few years later. It's amazing. It's and it's amazing how much it's growing because I remember. At that time, soccer was just kind of a, a, a whatever sport. And then, but, we, but we, I, now that you say that about Cactus, I remember going there and they had a packed crowd my first my freshman year. Um, and at that time, I had a broken arm, so I didn't really play. Um, but but I remember the impact. Yeah, I remember that. And as as years went on, obviously, even in, at Thunderbird, my my senior year, we had probably a couple a couple hundred, close to you know five hundred people coming to our games. And so, just to see the growth over the years has been been amazing yeah for sure the press box is actually the field because they play football there too but when it's uh, soccer the field is named after him huh so pablo not only did you go to the same high school as pk but fortunately then your you know your paths diverged and while he went to northern arizona and asu you went to nc state so were you channeling jim valvano when you were running up and down the sideline after the goal because i couldn't help but think about valvano in the pit uh, well, my 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 coach uh, George Tarantini was really good friends with uh, George Valvano, uh, or Jimmy Valvano, sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, I think they were kind of one and the same. And and now that you say that, it, it evokes that memory of my my uh, my college coach running down the sidelines when we scored a goal like that. Um, but that's funny. Yeah, I, I just kind of went blank. I didn't know, you know, because on the sidelines there we have uh, Theron, who, who's our our head trainer. He's oh, he's the countdown, you know. So when when injury injury time, he'll give you two minutes, uh, minute and a half, one minute, <laughs> thirty seconds. And so we got to thirty seconds, and after thirty seconds, it goes radio silent. There's no more like ten nine. So it goes thirty seconds, and I'm watching. I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, we still have a chance. The ball's over here. We still have a chance. And then the ball goes in, and I'm like, oh my god! The last thing I remember was thirty seconds, and I'm like, there, there can't be much time. And then I go over to the fourth official after the. The, the craziness, and he says, "Yeah, there's 15 seconds left." And I was like, "Oh my god!" But however, with that moment where I kind of lost consciousness and I went running down and <laughs> I grabbed that ball, uh, the the fourth official like whispered. It was like there was pandemonium, and I'm grabbing this ball uh, off the stand there, and there's like a whisper, set, and he says, "Pablo, don't do anything stupid with that ball." <laughs> <laughs> And so I, I kind of look at because like I had a feeling of just wanting to punt this thing out of the stadium, you know, like like childhood, like ah, just let's let's like let's celebrate. And I heard this whisper, and so I put it back down, and it was just a really really interesting moment for sure. Well, and gosh, if you're doing that to get in, I want to see if you should if you should win the whole thing. It's going to be berserk. <laughs> Well, Pablo, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you got a little downtime for the guys who played five, Demir and Albert playing five games in 16 days, so a little downtime for them. And then uh, the 23rd, RSL at Seattle to open the playoffs, and we'll look forward to uh, seeing Freddie again, plus Garth Lagerway and Craig Weibel. It's a lot of RSL alumni working up in Seattle now. Yeah, it should be fun. Should be a lot of fun. The guys are, uh, like you said, Tommy and Albert have been Warriors playing these last five games, and uh, and really uh, the just lost them, huh? Yep, I think we still just dropped. Well, thanks Ian for coming on. We were right at the end anyway. But those guys have played a lot. They have run a lot and need a little downtime.
We'll get it. And they do. They get it now, right? Exactly. The 23rd. So uh, it'll be up in Seattle on the turf up there, and we'll see how that goes. Seattle knocked him out up there a couple of years ago in a second-round game, and now they'll get him an opener. You going? Nope. Network, network TV. Stop. I'm not talking about as a broadcaster. I'm talking about as a diehard. <laughs> no. I mean, I get the broadcasting situation. Yeah, it's an FS1 game. I think Fox got it. Yeah, regardless, but I, I would think that you would go. Come on, man. Either you're in or uh, in the way or something like that. <laughs> Kyle Whittingham is now running RSL. He's just going to start mashing up different teams. You're a fan. Sports. You're going to be rooting for him to win. I'm going to be rooting for him to win. Nothing wrong with saying that. That's what we do. Locals losing is not good for business. Well, I want Locals him to win, win because of his connection. Pablo, I know. It's hard not to root for Pablo. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Joe Ingles is about 15 minutes away. His weekly visit, usually on Thursdays, but they got a Thursday game this week. They got the Pacers. So Joe is going to join us in about 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.